When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Tech fans, and welcome into episode 185 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On today's podcast, we've got a lot of Virginia Tech football to discuss. We're going to talk about Justin Fuente being on our recent podcast, our takeaways from that. We'll discuss Will, Chris, and David's trip to the ACC football kickoff, what they took away from that. Plus, we're also going to talk about SEC expansion with Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC. What does that mean for Virginia Tech, the ACC, and college football moving forward? And lastly, Malcolm and I say farewell after a great three years together here at Tech Sideline. All that and more coming up. Episode 185 of the Tech Sideline podcast. It all gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or today, maybe you're listening on YouTube. We'll talk about that in just a moment. However you are consuming the Tech Sideline Podcast, we're so glad you could join us as we record on Tuesday morning, August 3rd, our first show for what is going to be a busy month of August our crew today, it's, it's a larger room than normal today. To my left, we have our lead analyst and columnist, Chris Coleman. Across the way, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. Behind the scenes, the best podcast producer in the land. His final show, Malcolm Stewart, he is working really hard this morning. We've also got Nick Brown behind the scenes working with Malcolm. And to my right, off screen but mic'd up, our managing editor at Tech Sideline, David Cunningham. A reminder, if you're watching or listening on YouTube as the show is going live, be sure to drop a question in for Will or Chris. We'll get to those at the end of the show. And a reminder that each and every Tech Sideline podcast is proudly presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Go to southeastrtc.com today to find out how you can get involved with one of the best wrestling programs in the entire country. Again, that's southeastrtc.com. Will, Malcolm is certainly putting in some... Some hard work right now behind the scenes for his final show. I'll bet, I'll bet he's sweating over there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so, barring some miraculous sequence of events, this one's going to be audio only. It's going to be old school. Um, we came in this morning and uh, OBS, the software that we use to stream out over YouTube, prompted Malcolm to update it, and it does not allow you to start it unless you update it. So, he updated it, and that kind of blew the hand, blew the whole thing up. All of our settings disappeared, so... Uh, so we're winging it. So if you're watching on YouTube, you're probably seeing a thumbnail of, of Malcolm and Evan or, or something like that. So we don't know uh, what you're seeing. If, if, yeah, I don't know what you're if seeing. If you can actually see us, let us know. It's a thumbnail. Okay. All right. So Evan, Evan's got it pulled up. He says it's a thumbnail. So enjoy watching those two guys for the next hour to an hour and a half. Um, but if you're listening, 
everything sounds the same to you. So uh, so let's talk about you and, and Malcolm doing your last uh, podcast. So people get m- some people get mad at us when we do podcasts and um, we don't we mess around for a few minutes or we don't talk tech sports the entire time we get you know I didn't tune in to hear you guys jabber with each other but I'm sorry this one there's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff going on we're going to talk about some past podcasts and and talk about your big uh, um, big new job with uh, Virginia Tech really IMG right Learfield Learfield has now been branded when they merged, but yes, Virginia Tech Sports Properties. So let's start with that. Evan has been hired as what's the official job title? The Assistant Director of Broadcast Services at Virginia Tech. So, but from a fan facing standpoint, you'll be doing play by play for women's basketball and baseball. Yes, sir. So congratulations. And if John Laser gets knocked out for COVID mm-hmm. tracing again, you'll be doing a football game too. Well, <laughs> let's hope that, let's hope that does not happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I'm very excited. Uh, this is a, honestly a a dream come true for me. Uh, you know, play by play is my passion. It's what yeah. I really want to pursue. And to be a recent college graduate working at a Power Five for Learfield is special. But it's even more special to be doing it in Blacksburg at my alma mater. There's no place I'd rather be. Um, this is home, and I cannot thank John Laser enough for uh, believing in me and hiring me. And I, I, I'm over the moon ecstatic about it. But that sadly means um, that, that this is it. This is it. Yeah. And, and so it's a little bittersweet. It was exciting news when it came out yesterday, and you hear from so many people. But in the back of my mind, I've known that you know tomorrow. You know, almost 150 episodes with you guys. Uh, I guess the saying "all good things come to an end" is true. So uh, this is a little, this is a little bittersweet. Yeah, it's uh, so. So first of all, it's good for you that you don't have to go to another school. You know, like like let's let's say this job with well, Andrew Allegretta recently got the job at Vanderbilt, so he's got to you know take a crash course in Vanderbilt athletics and then learn a lot <laughs> of stuff. And fortunately, you really don't because you you grew up a Tech fan, right? Yeah, so you grew up a Tech fan. Both your parents graduated from Tech? My dad did. Mom went to Michigan State. But my dad played That's soccer here in the 80s under Jerry Shanae. That's right. So he's a Hokie. So grew up a Hokie. And over the last four years, you know, I've had the chance to fill in on Tech baseball broadcast and do ACC Network of Women's Basketball. So I feel very fortunate that I already have a great relationship with Coach Brooks and Coach Chef and their staffs and their teams. So um, I think it's a great fit. I'm I'm excited to work with them and uh, both had some uh, some success this past year right I mean, women's basketball back in the tournament baseball had a really good start to the year and I think there's a lot of excitement about what could happen this year so uh, hopefully I'll be calling some big time moments this year for those two teams so when you you I mean you've known for a long time you wanted to do play by play and did you picture yourself like I said and it went for the press release that David wrote wrote up for us yesterday I said that I didn't really see you as the kind of guy who jets in and does a game and then jets back out. Um, did you see yourself in that kind of role or did you see yourself like being with embedded with a team like you're going to be? No, that, that's how I've always kind of dreamed that it would play out. I think that the best broadcasters in the world are the ones who um, get to call a game for a team and don't have to be down the middles like your Al Michaels or your Mike Tarico's. Yeah, that's really awesome that they get to go broadcast the best football games in the world, but they're constantly traveling. They don't get to develop those relationships as you take a John Laser 
right, or the voice of any school or pro team that gets to know every coach, every fan, every donor, um, every player, and, and, and develop relationships and call games for that team. I think there's something so special about being to be part of, uh, getting to be part of a community and build the trust of the fan base and, and be that voice. I think there's something really unique to that. So that has always kind of been the dream scenario for me is to work with a team, whether that's at a university or maybe one day a pro team. Don't get me wrong. The network route seems very exciting too. And maybe, you know, we'll see what happens maybe one down the road, but this is definitely what I've always wanted it to, to look like. Here's how I've always dreamed of college sports broadcasting going. Um, I know you guys have MLB TV. You don't, but do. y'all do. Uh, so you turn on MLB TV. I'm going to turn on my Braves game. Let's say they're playing the Phillies. Do I want to watch the home broadcast or the away broadcast? So I'm going to pick the Braves broadcast every time because the Braves announcers are familiar with the Braves and they tell sure. the story of a game from a Braves perspective. Uh, my, obviously, there would be some uh, network broadcasters that wouldn't want to hear me say this, but my dream is one day is to – log into the ACC network or whatever, and Virginia Tech's playing North Carolina. So I listen to Virginia Tech broadcasters on TV or the North Carolina broadcasters on TV. And obviously I would pick the Virginia Tech broadcasters. Hmm. Uh, That's a cool idea. That's yeah, a really yeah, cool idea. Yeah, and, and then... At ACC I, network? I think about hmm. that, man. That would, uh, yeah, that would save uh, the ACC network money and put the onus on the schools to provide the broadcasters and things like that. Uh, I don't know why, like, some haven't gone that way well i mean i guess right now it's you know the games are on television and you can't you know you can't pick it on television uh but like yeah like how would you pick it right right now if it was all streaming like i mean i stream i stream mlb tv through through my playstation and when you turn it on you just open the app and and then you make your choice and everything well you look at the sec and the big 10 network they when when i look at their channel listings in um, i'm a dish network subscriber they have multiple channels like sec Mm -hmm. network actually has like seven or eight auxiliary channels and i don't see that when i when i tune into the acc network on dish but it would be a cool well you see espn do it for national championship game all the time they've got like four different broadcasts the mega cast yeah so 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 i guess we've kind of Going down the rabbit hole a little bit yeah, here. No. So, so you mentioned John Laser. Was, was John like, like who was a player in you getting this job? Well, it, it starts with Lays. I right. mean, it uh, it really does. And there are multiple people, and I'll thank you that that all I think had to to sign off on it. And and that starts with uh, with with Babcock at the top. It starts with Brad Worthman, uh, Kyler Pilling, and then and then Lays. But um, you know, I. I having John Laser, the voice of the Hokies on board with it. And, um, you know, I don't think this would be possible without him. I, I certainly wouldn't be, um, the broadcaster I am today and the person too, because he's had a huge impact on my life. If it weren't for the opportunities I've gotten as an undergrad, the whole reason I went to St. Cloud, Minnesota was because that was his first, uh, That's broadcasting gig. Yeah, he's Laser from Minnesota. That. So, you know, I, I think I've got a really unique relationship with Lays. I really cherish our relationship, and and now to get to call him boss, as I've been doing the last couple of days, mm-hmm. is fun. But I'll, I shared this story on ESPN Blacksburg, and I'll and I'll share it um, today because. And, and let me just preface by saying Lays tell the story a lot better because he remembers it a lot better. But I actually met Lays for the first time when I was twelve, and <laughs> I was in middle school. And when I first started getting into like broadcasting and sports, my sister played youth softball growing up. 
and I would do the public address announcing when I was like 12 for her games. So now batting Chris Coleman, you know, with my high pitched voice and um, they ended up winning the state championship Rockville softball in 2011. So the Richmond flying squirrels had a Rockville softball night at the park and they got to go out and throw the first pitch. Well, my mom's brother, my uncle Danny knew lays uh, through golf and he organized uh, an opportunity for me to go on the air with this guy named John Laser for an inning. And John Laser was the voice of the Flying Squirrels. Uh, voice of the Flying Squirrels. Right. Now, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I was going up to do public address and get to do like three batters of now batting. I had no idea what play-by-play was or radio. So I just remember stepping in, and here's John Laser. I've never met him before, right? I've never really listened to him or anything. And he throws a headset on. And I don't remember this, but Lay shares the story saying that apparently he said, all right, Lay's, all right, kid, here you go. Have a batter and uh, to do the play-by-play. And so there's a um, – the squirrels are playing defense. Guy hits a fly ball to deep left field. Left fielder's going back, makes this incredible catch on the warning track. And as Lay says, apparently I said two words, three words, fly ball, caught. <laughs> have you ever seen the movie uh, Major League Two? I have not. Okay, so there's a scene in that movie where, you know, it's Bob Euchre. He's the Indians play-by-play guy. And, you know, he sits there and drinks uh, Jack Daniels during games and everything like that. So one day he has a little bit too much Jack Daniels and passes out. So the the color guy actually has to do the play-by-play. And (laughs) so after Bob Euchre passes out, like the the next batter has a fly ball to center field. And the color guy is so terrified of doing play-by-play that he just says, fly ball out there you so, go. That, so that's that, that the you. same register that uh, i did it so apparently lazes in the <laughs> locker room afterwards and the uh, and the, the outfielder heard the replay of the call and he's like lays it's like what the heck man like <laughs> what? i mean no emotion on that call so anyway then it just comes full circle that he gets the job at tech we kind of stayed in touch loosely through when i was you know later in high school and then college and and now here we are getting to to work together and so it, it's it's unique to look back on that moment to to hear so so i know that bill roth played a big part in getting you to come to tech did laser also play a part in that yeah no he, he you know when i came up and visited with bill and andrew and i i talked to Lays as well as my mom when i was a a senior in high school and then getting to really start to be around him a lot like the first week i was there at tech talk live um and yeah, and I, you know, it's funny. I, I think the story goes, I think Bill reached out to Lays my senior year of high school and told him about me. And he literally goes, Evan Hughes, he's like, I know that kid. Like, <laughs> that's the kid who said fly ball caught. I mean, that's like, so that was the, the um, but yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, my three years of tech with Bill, with Andrew, and with Lays, I mean, I've had the, you know, an incredible I feel really lucky to have learned from those three, but they all played a part in helping me come here. And um, so, yeah. And, 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 you know, now to go from a student again to working with them and, and to get to be a voice of a team for Virginia tech. I mean, I love this. I love this area. I love Virginia tech. I'm an alum. I'm a proud alum. I get to still help in the school of communication, but I, you know, and I was thinking about it too. I, I think I might be one of the first broadcasters for this network uh, to be a tech alum. And I take a lot of pride in that. Yeah. Uh, so do you remember when you and I first met? 
I vaguely remember it. I do and I don't. It's Buffalo Wild Wings, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. Were you wearing a Jets jersey? I probably was. No, I, <laughs> me. I've got like ten of them. No, nobody plays for the Jets anymore. But I probably so, was. So when was that? Was that your freshman year? It was. I, I think it was like winter time of twenty eighteen. It was like February of eighteen. I started working for. Te- we had that phone call in like June of eighteen. Right. So I think we made. I remember Bill invited me. You guys were at Buffalo Wild Wings. We were maybe meeting with a prospective student. Might have been Jake. I think I it was, was Jake. I think it was Lyman. Yeah. He was about to take over this podcast, by because the way. Because Jake's dad was there, right? That's ex- that's exactly yes, what it was. I remember. So it was a dinner with me, you, Roth, Jake Lyman, Jake's dad, who is a prolific poster on the TSL message board. And He's- the voice of the St. St. Cloud now. Voice of the Rocks. Well, Jake is. No, I'm talking about Jake's dad. So Jake's dad has been on Tech Sideline for years and years. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah. Um, So I I, I don't remember. I mean, I I know Bill wanted me to meet you. I don't know that our our podcast was in flux at the time. I did know that. I may have said something to Bill. I don't know. We may be looking for a new host and, and... and Bill may have said, "Well, you got to meet this kid, Evan Hughes." So, I, I do recall that. And you were, you were, yes, you were probably wearing a Jets jersey. <laughs> what a great introduction! Probably, Hi, I'm Evan Hughes. I'm wearing a Jets jersey. And I was probably like, "Yeah, I'm a lifelong Dolphins fan." <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember where we sat too. It's funny. I, I remember that very well. And it was at the old Buffalo Wild Wings. That's now no longer there. And knocked Is the down. building completely gone? I think it's completely knocked down. Wow. That old really Buffalo Wild Wings. So there's a lot of big construction over there on Prices Fork. But, yeah. you know, we'll, I know we, we, we've got some stuff to talk about. And I, I do want to, you know, wrap around. And, and we've had a lot of fun, you yeah. know, over the last three years. And it's amazing to see where this podcast has grown and the video. Com- Anyways, yeah, so, I'm going to save so, that for the end, the, the, the sentimental. But it's, right, it's so, bittersweet. This is weird to, you know, and sad to know that this is it yeah it's like we're sitting here talking and and it hasn't really sunk into me that this is it um so yeah let's do some tech and acc and and sec stuff and and i do want to talk at the end a little bit about the um history of the podcast but i was just checking the live chat they want to know what what malcolm's plans are they keep asking they're like oh evan 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 what what about yes so malcolm is is This may not actually be the last show he produces. We were planning on having to be the last show he produces. Uh, I, I, I finally, after all these years, wrote up the whole process of live streaming and archiving and editing and all that stuff. And so we now have the written procedure over there. Mm-hmm. So if Malcolm, you know, goes to California, we can we can wing it. We can do a we can do a, a podcast if things work. But uh, so Nick Brown's sitting over there with Malcolm today, and Nick's in here, and he was gonna. I mean, Nick and I did a test the other day. Nick knows how to do it. He just wanted to see Malcolm produce the show. Um, so we think this will be Malcolm's last podcast. We're not sure. Uh, we'll, we'll have to figure that out later since the whole thing got blown up. But uh, Malcolm has two more weeks of his very last class at Virginia Tech, right, Malcolm? Yeah. So he's finishing up his last class. He walked in uh, May. Um but had to take a class first summer session, has taken one second summer session, and then they'll send him the piece of paper. So he's working for a local attorney, attorney, a, a gentleman named Patrick Moore. Uh, we've known Patrick our entire lives. Uh, Patrick is an attorney. Uh, he's he's from Radford. He's got a uh, Blacksburg office as well, and that's where Malcolm works. Malcolm works in the uh, uh, Blacksburg office for Patrick. Um, and, Ma- and Malcolm, I see you've been driving the TSL van <laughs> recently. I've jogged by there and seen it parked. <laughs> 
Yeah, Malcolm's uh, uh, truck is in the shop getting a graduation gift applied to Ooh, it. Oh, nice. Several graduation gifts, actually. Uh, so interesting trivia about Patrick. He's got a son who was born on the same day as Malcolm a year later. So they share, huh. a, they share a birthday. Uh, but uh, Malcolm's in Kappa Alpha, and Patrick is a, is a KA also. And so that's, uh, you know, one thing led to another, and he offered Malcolm a job when Malcolm graduated. So nice. uh, Malcolm's got uh, designs on going to law school, so he's working in a law practice now. And all I've said to Malcolm is, uh, I'm not sure I'll be able to help you pay for that, <laughs> and it would be very useful to have an attorney in the family. The so. law offices of Stewart and... Yeah, so, so right now Malcolm's tearing his hair out because he's, he's working, he's producing the podcast, he's taking classes, um, he's been doing some traveling, so he's, he's young and he can handle it, but he's looking forward to the next two weeks uh, being over so he can just become yeah. the working guy. Now Malcolm, of course, of course he's going to stay in Blacksburg. Um, and the reason I'm doing all the talking is I'm not sure he's got a working mic <laughs> right now. Um, he's going to stay in Blacksburg. And, and one, of, one of the sad things to me is that his senior year got completely blown up by COVID. Oh. Um, so he gets to uh, kind of stay in the same place. He's actually going to live in the same apartment for at least the next year. Nice. Only difference is I'm not paying for it anymore. And, and the other thing <laughs> is... Uh, um, he won't be taking classes, so he'll be able to hang out, Let's you know, go. and, and kind of join the Blacksburg Residence Club. The Blacksburg yeah. Residence Club. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> You're making it up. Evan and I. Oh, so are, David's in the Blacksburg Evan, Residence Club. Evan okay. and Malcolm and I are all full. Well, all full time residents. Evan's moving to Christiansburg soon. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, his parents kicked him out of their house. It's weird being. A, <laughs> it's weird being a townie. Can I, can I? I don't know. No, nah, you don't qualify for that. <laughs> you got to. You got to be at least twenty five before right. you qualify well, for that status. We'll yeah. wait a few years. Well, I will say I'm. I'm really excited to get to do my last show with Malcolm, though, because it's been great to uh, have a friend like Malcolm over the last couple of years. I'm hoping we can get him mic'd up towards the end, just to he can say a couple of words. But anyways, well, it's uh, we'll uh, it's just for me. Um, you know, uh, so everybody's used to watching you be the be the on air talent and really shape the podcast. But Malcolm is the one who, when we built this set, I put him in charge of. I I was learning to delegate, and I said, "I want three cameras. You figure it out." Yeah, you know that's pretty much what you remember, right, Malcolm? Yeah, he does so, so much stuff behind the scenes. So he he configured all the sound, the three cameras that we've got, yeah. OBS the intro, the outro. So what you see when you watch the video and what you hear when you listen to the podcast is all Malcolm's doing. So it's, uh, you know, we parents always joke about, and I've, I've joked at least twice about I don't have to pay for his stuff anymore, you know, but, but there's also, there's also a level of sadness that you get used to taking care of your kids, you know, and then it's not your job and you got to let them go. So that's kind of where I am. And it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of all you guys, but it kind of sucks, too. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about Malcolm towards the end, but pe some people get on me for calling him the best podcast producer in the land. There was somebody in the comments about a month ago that called me Lee Corzo for doing that. <laughs> and listen, I, I don't do that to be funny. I do that because Malcolm does so much stuff behind the scenes and, like, making this go, and he deserves that title. And he really deserves it today because we we were scrambling for a minute, and Malcolm saved the day. So. Yeah, you know, so so uh, when we realized things were blown up and it wasn't going to work, um, one of the things I've learned and I try to teach my kids is just be cool. Yeah. 
you know, just chip away at it. If you can't get it, we'll figure something else out. And so we gave it half an hour <laughs> and, you know, so uh, Malcolm might be working some nights or something like that in the coming <laughs> weeks to reconfigure what he had built. We have been resilient so far today. And we are going to talk a lot about Virginia Tech football. Let's go ahead and transition into that. Chris has been patiently waiting over here. So <laughs> I want to start by talking about the Coach Fuente podcast that we had a couple of weeks ago here at Tech Sideline. I want to drop some numbers, folks. And I want to thank everybody who listened or watched the show. 6.4 thousand viewers on YouTube which might be a record. I didn't look it up. Oh, it is. Our, our typical podcasts on YouTube will do anywhere from 1,500 to some of the hotter ones will do up to about 4K views. Mm. So 6.4K views is is over and above what we usually and, do. And then total audio downloads or total times it's been listened to, 10,500 total is listeners. A, that is a record by far. It's weird. We did it. We did a podcast called The Future of Castle Coliseum. It was TSL podcast number 119. So it was a long time ago. I think it was early in 2020 before COVID hit. And that one did eventually did 7,500 downloads. Well, that was a nice tease. I'm sure some people looked at the title and be like, oh, man, they're announcing castle renovations. And yeah. So, um, <laughs> so. so that one, that one, for some reason, you know, the, the podcast we did about like after Duke smoked Virginia Tech 45 <laughs> to 10, that one got a lot of looks. The, uh, some of the Fuente podcasts right at the end of last year, but yeah. but not ten thousand plus. Mm-mm. So, so that's you very cool. ten that that's almost seventeen thousand consumers between YouTube and all yeah. the streams. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. So thanks to everybody who listened and, and participated in that. Hope and you enjoyed it. So so the day that we did that podcast, I wanted to talk about this. Um, we're all sitting here. We're waiting for Fuente to show up with uh, Pete Morris, uh, who's director of strategic communications. So there's pretty much everybody in the room now was in the room that day so uh when when pete and fuente arrived here i went out in the parking lot to meet him all right so it's just me walking out there to kind of tell him what to expect because pete's never been here either so i got to go out and tell the two of them here's what you're going to see when you walk in so (laughs) i walk out into the parking lot and fuente's driving i think he's in a suburban or a tahoe or something like that and pete's riding so they park and they get out and Pete, Pete's got his usual slacks and dress shoes and polo shirt on. And he starts walking towards me. Hey, Will. And Fuente gets out and he comes around the back of the Tahoe and he's in shorts. Okay, he just got off the beach. And, I, and I, I didn't expect that. And I can't stop my mouth. Like, I was like, hey, Pete, how you doing? And I looked at uh, Justin Fuente and I said, oh, we're getting the food leg show today. I don't know Justin Fuente. He doesn't know me. Maybe he vaguely recognizes me. I think he knew he was in for a good time. Well, he did that. look at me like I'd grown another head, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so I stopped and I said, "Listen, before we go inside, you're going to see uh, you're going to see about five or six people in there. So we're going to walk you into a room, and you're going to see a set at one side of the room, and you're going to see five or six guys there. They all look like clones. They're all wearing their Tech Sideline polo shirts, except for Chris Coleman, who's in jeans and a t-shirt." <laughs> And I, and, I, and I told him, I said, usually on our podcast, we do uh, four to 5,000 downloads audio and about 2,000 views on YouTube. I said, I expect this one to do 5,000 views on YouTube and 7,500 to 10,000 audio downloads. So here we are. Yeah. So, Chris, I, you know, I, I got a lot of positive reviews on the boards, on social media. I, th- I thought he was so open and gave a lot of great insight 
What were some of your biggest takeaways from the podcast with Coach Fuente? Uh, he's a good conversationalist, but I mean, I already knew that. Yeah, it's just he hasn't been presented that way in that format to the fan base very many times before. Um, I already knew he was that way. Uh, you see it down in, in Charlotte at the breakaways for ACC football kickoff every year. And even more so, they did a little extra down there with just the local media besides the, the breakouts. But, uh, yeah, so that was that was pretty much what I was expecting. Nothing about that podcast really took me by surprise, but I thought I thought it was great for, see, to, for the fan base to see him in that light. Let me follow up. Anything he said about X's and O's wise, player wise, anything that stood out to you? Any quote? I mean, maybe it was about you know Dwayne Lofton or Jalen Jones. Anything that stood out I was, from the podcast? He's he's always been reserved, res, very reserved when talking about players. Uh, now, obviously, he went all in on James Mitchell a couple of years ago and turned out to be right. And he went all in on Jaden Payute, uh, and then Payute got hurt. Yeah. Um, but, you know, generally when he starts speaking openly of a very, very young player who's unproven, uh, you know, he turns out to be right. And, and it, it really means he feels highly about them. So when he described Dwayne Lofton and Jalen Jones as studs, you know, that kind of made my – yeah, Chris teed, Chris teed him up, and, and Fuente's first word out of his mouth, right, was studs. That but was it's the, the way one. he said it, too. He just kind of looked. He's like, studs. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he was excited in yeah. the way he said yeah. that. And, and, so. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting. Like, I, I've, Lawson's got had great film and everything like that. Jones was a guy who played for Thomas Jefferson in Richmond. Thomas Jefferson is a historically bad program that hasn't produced a Power 5 player since the 70s. And as you told me, they have to play their – their games on Saturdays, but in, because they don't have lights for their field, because they can't, so they can't play on Friday nights. Corner, corner of the end zones are in the track around the field. Right. Wow. Right. Really. Yeah. Unless it's been updated, that was like 2015, so, 16. Was. So Jones is, uh, and he's a guy who didn't play his senior year because of COVID. You know, they didn't. Virginia didn't have a fall season, and then he had rolled a tech in January, so he wasn't like most freshmen. So the fact that he could come in and and show Fuente enough to make comments like that about him is pretty impressive. Uh, I always thought he had good film. He reminds me of Cam Phillips quite a bit. Yeah. Can play inside or outside. Very productive. 76 catches, 1,100 yards his junior year. Um, so I, I think that, that was maybe one of the things that uh, stood out to me because uh, it's just to – to see him make a comment like that about about a young player that's never seen the field yet, he doesn't do that very often. There's maybe one guy a year he does that for. Yeah, David, I found it interesting when he brought up Tyrell Smith and basically said he's <laughs> going to have the the right to go into camp and compete for that right tackle position. I found that interesting. Yeah, I, I that offensive line is is going to be interesting. I, and I, I thought when we went down to when we were talking to Fuente down in, in Charlotte, one of the things was. Um, somebody asked him about Johnny Jordan. Somebody asked him about, you know, just how the whole offensive line is kind of, you know, shaping out. And he was like, you know, honestly, there's like two or three guys that, you know, that, that are set in stone and then everything else is kind of up for grabs. So it's going to be really interesting. But the fact that Tyrell Smith has been around for so long and, you know, you guys were all joking with him that, that he – you know, pretty much owns Blacksburg now because he's. I mean, he enrolled what in like 2014. He's the Van that, Wilder. Of yeah, Blacksburg. yeah, like eight years. But I, I think years. it'll be really interesting to see. You know, he's obviously been here for a long time. If he can, you know, jump into the offensive line to that spot and and produce right away. Yeah, and I think that that's a proper way to build a, uh, the right culture in your yeah. program. Uh, a guy who's been here for that long and 
did not have to come back. Most guys in his situation will not come back, but he wants to be a part of the program. So it's the right thing to do to, to, to give, give him, him first an first crack at a starting yeah. job, yeah. As, as opposed to Johnny Jordan, who has yet to have, go through one single practice at yeah. Virginia Tech, right? Uh, and I'm not saying that you know that Tyrell Smith is going to win that starting right tackle spot. My gut instinct is that he will not. I mean, I still think it'll be Jordan at center, Brock at right guard, yeah. and Janzy at right tackle, or maybe Clements at right tackle for, for that first game. But but maybe not. I, but this is the – I know that Tyrell Smith has earned the opportunity to compete to, for that, to compete for that yeah. job. And, th- and that, that's that's how you run a program, man. That's how you build a quality culture. Uh, you know, these uh, that's how you treat someone that stays the course with you. Uh, these guys, these days – Guys, if if they're not Loyalty. starting, yeah, Loyalty. these days, I mean, guys, if they're not starting their first or second year, they're going to hit the portal a lot of times. And this is a guy who stuck through for seven years and hadn't started a game. Well, speaking of that word, I believe he brought up the word so loyalty. That's why I brought it right? Up, yeah. right, right, right. Fu was talking about loyalty to the program, and, and I, I just, I just kind of chuckled, and I said, uh, you know, loyalty, loyalty to the team is is, is in short lo- loyalty to your team is in short supply these days. And some people thought I was taking a shot at Fuente. No, 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 no. That's not what I meant. I would not sit here with Justin Fuente and and make some veiled Baylor reference or something like that. So that's one of the things I remember. Um, I, I think he got relaxed because, first of all, I tell people all the time, you come in here and there's lights shining down and cameras, but it quickly turns into the expression I use is three dudes talking. You're just hanging out talking. Um, <clears throat> I think what relaxed him was the first question I asked him was about kind of COVID or one of the first ones about COVID and something like that. And I said, I know coaches don't like to make excuses. Then I asked the question and he appreciated that I prefaced it with that. So I think that relaxed him a little bit. But the other thing is, I mean, Chris knows his stuff. Um, Chris starts asking you questions and, and describing Jalen Jones's high school to that level of detail. You know, a coach respects that when you know your Normally stuff. coaches don't get questions like that. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. They it, get, uh, who's getting the reps at quarterback? And, and, and we they, get, they get generic questions, and then people get surprised when they give generic answers. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, of course, we did have to ask about NIL and the transfer portal. And some of the things he said to us that day, he said verbatim down at the ACC yeah, that football was, that kickoff. was one of the funniest things is when people were asking him about stuff when he's at the podium in Charlotte at ACC football kickoff. And then even in the breakout rooms like 20, 30 minutes later – People were asking him. He's literally giving the exact same answers he gave on the podcast. And I think there were a couple times where, like, Will and Chris and I kind of just looked at each other and we're like, "Yeah, yeah." I looked at David and I'm like, "That's." It was 24 hour difference from when he was on the podium. It was somewhat a rehearsal for him for ACC football. (laughs) Now let's let's transition to that real quick. ACC uh, football day. Um, What did you guys take away from that experience? Back being in person, the student athletes at Virginia Tech brought. I mean, Braxton Burmeister was there. Overall reflections on the three, uh, the trip that the three of you guys took down a couple of weeks ago. It was good to see people. Yeah, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. it was good to have an event like that for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, You know, I think most people pay attention to the generic ten or fifteen minute talk. I guess thirty minute talk with a player with three players and the coach up there on the stage behind the lectern and everything like that. But the breakaways are the best part of those. And this year we got two breakaways, you know, the breakaways that anybody can be involved with, but we also got text players and Fuente and a breakaway with, with just the local Virginia mm. tech beat writers. So us, Andy bitter, 
And no, t- no, no TV for that last one. Uh, yeah. There was no, no TV. TV. I mean, yeah, it was so only about, what, seven there, of us around that table uh, with Fuente, yeah, David? It was, it was the two of us. Right. It was Andy Bitter. Uh, Gene Wong was there. Mike Barber, David Teal, mm-hmm. Mike Nyslock, Aaron McFarling, and that was it. Yeah. Um, so it was a small setting, and he's quite good. Always been quite good. Yeah. yeah. In very the, relaxed. In those settings. Yeah, yeah. He's always been very, very comfortable there. Um, so it, it was good to, you know, just sit there at a table with – I've. I, it's weird, Braxton. I've, I've talked about uh, Khalil Herbert being the you know the first Virginia Tech running back that I can remember that I've never seen him play in person or never been in the same room with him. Yeah, you know, and and that was my first chance to be in the same room with Braxton Burmeister. Right down there. So, uh, and it's the first time I'd ever had a chance to talk to him one on one. First time I've had a, a chance to talk to James Mitchell. You know, one on one, basically. Uh, you know, I mean, for a while, David, it was just you and I with James Mitchell. Yeah, and McFarlane. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was the three of us. I think I, I, uh, so they gave us a thirty-minute. They gave us a little longer than thirty minutes to talk with Fuente, and then they gave us thirty minutes to talk to Jamari Connor, James Mitchell, Braxton Burmeister, and I think Chris. It was Chris, Andy, Aaron, and I. We, we talked with James, and then Andy and Chris both went over there, and Aaron and I just sat there and talked to James Mitchell for the entire 30 minutes. And, and mm-hmm. to be able to just like casually have a conversation, like we were talking about, now I, I wrote a lot about it um, in my story about James Mitchell last week, but um, just like casually sit there and ask him, you know, like what kind of food he likes, Yeah, you know, like he, he's a big food network guy. Like just, just that's not something you get all the time, especially once you get in season. So it was nice. And I enjoyed, you know, getting a chance to talk to, to Braxton Burmeister too. Both those guys are very sharp. Yeah. Um, uh, Burmeister is probably, he's a pretty worldly guy. I, I say, I'd say, um, he, he thinks about things in maybe different ways than a lot of guys his age. I mean, he, he, he got asked a lot of questions about name, image and likeness. And yeah. he said he had some interesting comments. He was basically like, you know, I've told my teammates, be very, very careful. Have people ever have people you trust, people to know what they're doing, review all this stuff. Because, look, there are some people that, and and it'll work on a few of these guys at some point. Uh, there are people trying to take advantage of these guys by getting them to sign away their image rights for the rest of their football careers, which could also mean an NFL career. Yeah. And they're getting the they're going into these colleges and getting 18, 19 year olds who don't understand that stuff to sign away their image rights for cheap. And <sighs> so and Burmeister is smart and world, worldly enough to realize that not everybody's going to be. Yeah. Somebody's going to make that mistake. Yeah. Will, what were your impressions of Braxton Burmeister? Because so, Chris's point, I mean, someone who transferred, sat out a year, played last year in the middle of COVID, was Oh, you were okay. Well, even I, I, on I even not, on the podium when he spoke, or you know, I was not in the room uh, for for the for the break. There were three of us down there, and there wasn't a need for all three of all us three to be doing the same thing gotcha. at the same time. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting about the worldly, and you know, and one thing I want to mention about Braxton Burmeister. One of the takeaways, as somebody who watched it on the ACC Network Extra, um, I believe Fuente said. I don't think he said on the podcast, but he said it on the podium that he feels. And correct me if I'm wrong here, guys. That the passing game is the best it's been since 2016. That would have been his first year with Gerard Evans. Yeah. So when you hear that, Will, what jumps out? So, so I think he also said, uh, Chris, you might have a memory of this. Fuente also said, you know, when we had Gerard, we knew we could throw it up. Oh, and, well, and because, yeah, you're because you throw it to Bucky and Cam Bucky and Isaiah. And Isaiah oh, yeah. They would go get it. Yeah. Right. 
And and yes, if you go back and watch a lot of highlights of that year, it's a lot of just go get the ball. Uh, you'll, I'll never forget the the play in the Boston College Ooh. game that was probably maybe the play of the week in college football. But it was an awful decision. He threw it, and I'm like, oh, no, no, What no. are you doing? <laughs> the, the safety's playing deep. You're throwing in the double coverage. That's the one of the worst decisions you'll ever see a quarterback make. And then, of course, Isaiah Ford just beat Jump. both defensive backs yeah. in the air and caught it for yeah. a touchdown. Uh, it's one of those things where, like, in the grading – like his PFF score for that play would have been a negative because he made the wrong decision. Should not have thrown that football. Right. right. Meanwhile, uh, Isaiah gets a really high score. Right, right, yes, Isaiah it, yeah. gets a really high score. Uh, Gerard would not have. I, I think when Fuente says he he feels better, he feels better about the passing game than he ever has. Uh, I, I think he means that from a standpoint that now that Burmeister has been has experience in the system, which he had none of last year. Uh, He's more likely to be a quarterback, and you could see this in his touchdown pass to Tavion Robinson in the UVA game at the end of last season. His eyes started in, in the middle to the right of the field and then gradually went left. And I, I want to say Robinson was maybe his third read on that play. And he hit him, and Robinson broke one bad attempt at a tackle and took it for a touchdown. And that's not something that Gerard was very good at going through his reads uh, or, 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 or hitting the hooker. Well, or, or, J- J- he was pretty good at it. You think so? He, yeah. Well, I mean. It was the whole weightlifting. And- <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was the other thing. And, well, the fact, well, Jackson was a mediocre talent. And listen, his stats at Maryland were horrible, and his yes. stats at Tech were good. We're pretty good. So yeah, so I mean, I, I think I don't want to get into that conversation. <laughs> yeah, let's not go. But any, anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, he's saying that it. I interpret that as uh, he might not necessarily throw for more yards and more touchdowns than Gerard did, but he'll he'll run the passing. The game. actual yes. passing, yeah. like from an X's and O's standpoint, will will execute at a higher level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's. It's an offense that Braxton, like to me, I interpret it as Braxton is the quarterback that because he's the quarterback that has had the most time in the system out of out of any quarterback under Fuente. Like besides maybe, I mean Ryan Willis was here for a couple of years and Josh Jackson was here for a couple of years. But besides that, he's the guy. He's this is going to be his third season in Blacksburg. In Blacksburg, and he's. Now fully, I mean, Chris, you described it really well in your article. Like he's just in, he's just very confident, the, and he has receivers that are confident in him. There's so many things like that made things difficult for him last year, and this sounds like an excuse. It's not, and th- there's there's a difference between an excuse and a reason. And you know, he came in and redshirted that first year because he wasn't allowed to play right away. So he immediately went to the scout team within a couple weeks of arriving at Tech where he was running the other team's offense. And that was the 2019 season. And then he was the next spring, he's supposed to learn the offense and then challenge for the starting job. And then there was no spring. (laughs) And then there was basically what fall camp did exist was all chopped up. You don't know what receivers are going to be there, what offensive line are going to be there. Burmeister himself got COVID, COVID at some point and was out for two weeks. And what I didn't realize is that when he had COVID, he lost 12 pounds. Man. So he was listed at 205 last year, but when he started that first game against NC State, he was more in the 190 to 195 range. Ooh, and he didn't even and, really know the playbook. Right, right, because he hadn't had a chance because he was always yeah. sprint, no spring practice. No preseason practice, basically. You know, remember when he got his cramp in, in that in his hand in that game, and he told Burr me mustard. It, yeah, yeah, you're right. And uh, I think Pete Morris tweeted that. Sorry, he, he told me uh, 
He told me he just, because he he wasn't cleared to practice from COVID until earlier that week. So he hadn't got his water weight back and everything. Like his whole body was out of balance from his bout with COVID. So that was the start to his Virginia Tech career. Not only not even knowing the, the offense because he didn't get a chance to practice it, but then I mean, can you imagine losing 12 pounds in a week, basically, and what that does to you physically when you're playing a high-level sport where there's no margin for error? Mm. And, and Aline McNeil is licking his chops wanting to fall on top right, of it. Right, right. So it's, <laughs> looking back, it's amazing from that standpoint that Tech smashed NC State like they did. Yeah. I mean, NC State turned out to be a top 25 team. Yeah. Uh, so by the end of the year, uh, Burmeister, you know, I guess... Well, don't forget he, the stepping on the foot. Got, that, I'm, get, got, I'm getting yeah, to that. By, yeah. by the end of the year, I guess he would got some of his weight back and was a better spot physically. But, you know, when he got his foot stepped on and broke his toes, he couldn't play. So he had this... All he could do was sit back and really dive into the playbook rather than, oh, what's game plan for this opponent th- this week? Uh and you saw it. It completed 73, 74% of his passes over the last couple of games. It was just making quicker decisions in, in the quick passing game. Yes, there were a lot of screens and things like that in there, but there were also a high number of quick outs and, and things like that. I actually went back and watched the, yeah. the UVA game a, a week or so ago. And I, after it was actually the day after I got back from ACC football kickoff, I went back and watched that game because – he had talked about making quicker decisions in the passing game. And so I went back and watched the highlights from that UVA game. And sure enough, he made much quicker decisions. And it wasn't just on like screens and things like that. It was it was an out game, the five to twelve yard outs and things like that, where he would drop back and just knew exactly where he wanted to go with the football. So and that's so, encouraging. So where my brain goes is he's a redshirt junior this year, right? Yeah. He was also a redshirt junior last but year. But it feels like he's been here a long <laughs> time. <laughs> And that's what COVID does to you. Is, you know, a player feels like he's been here a long time, but he's going to be here even longer. So, so if he if he locks in this year and is good and stays healthy, he could be the year. starting quarterback yeah, the next no. year. I do want to bring uh, bring this up? It was tweeted out this past week. Uh, the they're calling it the Kings of Speed Summer 2021 Top Ten list mm-hmm. of Tech football players. And Coach Fuente said on the podium that Burmeister is one of the best athletes on the team. Believe he said that he did like the third yes, best. Third best. He said top three or four. Yeah. And yeah. so here's the Kings of Speed Summer 2021 top ten fastest players on the Virginia Tech team according to and this speed. Is to- this is top speed. Braxton Burmeister number one 22.53 miles per hour. Number two Trey Turner 22.48 miles an hour. And number three Caleb Smith 22.28 miles per hour. So Braxton Burmeister. Yeah, is uh, the fastest player in terms of miles per speed. hour. No, no, you also, know Devin well, Hunter, Amari Barno, Chamari Connor, Jaden Payute, Jermaine Waller, Armani Chapman, Alan Tisdale. That's top ten. Yeah, He's faster there, there, than there's, all of them. There's so many way areas I can go with that list. First of all, first, <laughs> now, now, first of all, it is top speed. It's top speed. Now, what we don't, how long does it take them to get up to that speed, and how long can they maintain that top right. speed? So this is just at their very peak of the mountain. Yeah. Um, uh, but that being said, it, it validates a lot of things. I mean, the you know the the players. I mean, I mean, you get, went down to media day, and James Mitchell was in agreement with, with Fuente that yeah. Burm, and, and Burmeister. He's a confident guy. He said, "Yeah, I am one of the top four. Now, pretty much they all said, "Yeah, Jaden Payute's the number one overall athlete hmm. on the team." That was the that was pretty much the, the unanimous yeah. decision down there. Um, he played quarterback in high school, right? Part of his career, and he yeah. can jump in the back of he a pickup truck. He can jump in the back That's of a pickup right. truck. Uh, so overall, right. it's Payute, 
But Burmeister is very much up there. And, you know, that's an encouraging list also from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, I was going to say, because six of the ten – Six of the top ten guys are on the defensive side. And it's, and, it's and, up, and up front. Barno. Barno is a defensive end is on Tis, my list. Tisdale was Tisdale was a linebacker despite jumping up from two ten to two to two twenty eight. That's yeah. a huge and I doubt he was two ten last season. That was his camp weight. That was before practice actually started and you're in there sweating every day. So he's probably like two oh five when the actual right. season started. So yeah. that guy's basically put on twenty pounds or so since last year and maintained great speed. Uh, very exciting to have two guys plus Connor at whip. So that's three of the front seven yeah. Yeah. on the top ten list and top speed. And, then and two of the four that aren't on the list are defensive tackles, and they're not going to be there anyway. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, weights, I know there's new heights and weights yes. listed that you want to touch on. Chris, uh, yeah, that, that was the one that stood out to me is Tisdale's uh, height and weight. Uh, I think he's got a high ceiling as a football player, and, and we've seen it. Uh, I think he's made so many plays for Virginia Tech in space. Uh, the only thing he lacks sometimes is a little bit of strength. And I, I do think it's possible that he's he could be an NFL player one day with the right size. And he wasn't trending that way. And but, we're talking but, about Tisdale at this We're point, talking right? about Alan Tisdale. Uh, but this, this offseason apparently has been fantastic for him. If you can go from 210 to 228 in one offseason, this is what I've been preaching. Like Most guys that age, they, <laughs> can, they can do that physically if they, if they put their mind to I it know. and follow the direction of their coaches and nutritionists and things like that. So he did a great job this year and has put himself in, in, a, in a great position. So what did, what did Barno do? Up? Barno went from 235 to 245, oh, man. Uh, which is good for him, and, and he won't have any problem at all maintaining his athleticism at that speed. In fact, he could still get up 260 and still be just as and I, th- I think what little bit I've watched Barno, I, I remember th- watching him. I think it was the beginning of last year get pushed around a little bit, I, uh, or it was the year before. Well, you didn't and, play the and year he, before. He, okay, so so last year I saw it early, and then like within two games he was holding the line a lot. Yeah, uh, it actually surprised me. If you go back and watch some of the film, and uh, uh, you know, for all I know, early in the season he was getting over COVID or something. Yeah. Like you never know. Um, but yeah. There are times when you go back, and I remember a couple plays in the Miami game where, you know, he was listed at 235, and he took that offensive tackle on head-on, held his ground, even drove him back and made plays. So I thought for he played stronger than he looked last year. Yes, that, uh, and now he's, he's even he's, bigger. He's bigger. And stronger. Right, and so another one I want to give a shout-out to is Neural Pollard, uh, listed at 265 last year, which was also his weight as a freshman. And people people talk about the scheme change and everything like that. Well, whatever two sixty five is is small for a defensive tackle. Whatever scheme it was, yeah. I mean, you're more suited to play it in Bud's scheme than anywhere else. But even for Bud's scheme in this era of college football, it was still small. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know he's up to two eighty one now, and that's still small for a defensive tackle in this era. But it's a lot better than two sixty five. Sure. And, and there are certain things that this scheme asked defensive tackles to do that the old scheme did not. And being 281 is going to put him in a better position to do that and make him a more complete player. Uh, Pollard's one of those guys, I think, he's a really good natural football player, but there are certain, like, he had to get bigger. And he's not smooth either. He's muscular. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of defensive linemen, before we take a break, do you want to transition quickly and talk about the newest commitment 
of the class of 2022 for Virginia Tech football, DeAndre Martin, who committed to Virginia Tech, a three and a half How star. A three and a half. I mean, the, you the and Jason th- Stame, the, the first three and a half star recruit in Virginia Tech, Tech football history. history. <laughs> he is a uh, he's from Life Christian Academy in Virginia, but his hometown is Durham, North right. Carolina. He's a six foot four, two hundred and ninety three pound defensive tackle, and he's. Put himself up there as one of the best commits oh, in this uh, class. So he's such a high ceiling. What do you like about DeAndre Martin? I think I would say his size, his the length of his limbs, his overall athleticism. Like he just seems like a high ceiling player, a really good athlete. The thing is, the the only thing that makes me hesitate from giving him a fourth star is I've never seen him play defensive line before. He was a wide receiver, tight end type. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and and then he transferred to Life Christian. This past year, and then Life Christian didn't have a season. Right. So he hasn't actually played football, I believe, since his sophomore year, and that was when he was a wide receiver slash tight end. And then, but he he got bigger. He blew up. He started gaining weight, and he went to all these camps over the summer when recruiting reopened and worked out as a defensive lineman. And Virginia Tech saw him, and South Carolina saw him, and Florida State saw him, and a few other schools. And as soon as they saw him work out and move as a defensive lineman, they immediately offered it. Yeah. Uh, just based on his athleticism and and just if you just look at his face and his neck and his shoulders, I mean he just he's got that look of like an NFL style defensive lineman. Um, so so uh, help fill in the blanks for me here. What it reminds me of is it was was it Javante Jean Baptiste that blossomed late. He blossomed late, although that's a that's more of a defensive end outside linebacker. Well, so I mean, the, the, from a recruitment standpoint. So he's a guy uh, that, that he didn't sign in December. He blew up. A bunch of big programs came I, after him. I, I don't know if he reclassified or not, or if he just transferred. Uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember his recruitment because what I remember is uh, oh, Javante Jean Baptiste. Yeah, he didn't blow up till his senior year. Right. So I think Tech and Boston College were in on him early, if I remember right. correctly. And then he then blew up, he blew a, up right. and a bunch of schools popped. Right. Down. Right. So yes, that's correct. So he ended yeah. up at Ohio State. So yes, that's a worry. Right, but because so, because nobody's seen him play defensive line before, yeah. with pads on. I mean, as far as I know, yeah. I, I can't find any film of it if if it does exist. So he's about to go play this senior season, and people may realize, whoa, right? That, what what a steal! Yeah. Now, uh, so that's but that's always going to be a worry. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, Tech's already done such a good job recruiting him. I mean. This is actually one of the biggest. I don't know if, how good a football player he'll be. It's always a crapshoot to a certain extent. But with that caveat, this is one of the most impressive recruiting wins of the Fuente era. Um, just first of all, Tech, whether it's been Fuente or Frank Beamer or whoever was coaching Virginia Tech, they've rarely signed a defensive tackle with an NFL, NFL, with an NFL body. Right. It's pretty much never happened. Except for with the exception of Tim Settle, and Tim Settle had academic issues, so we kind of slid to Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, Shane Beamer at South Carolina, you know, has the new car smell. Like it's it's easier for coaches to recruit at their new school in their first couple of years because they've got that new car smell. Fuente recruited pretty well his first few years at Tech when he had a new car smell, even with a lack of facilities. Yeah. Um, so, and Fuente is on a lot of hot seat lists right now and you know if, if you google college football coaches hot seat and click he's on the in, first he's article, the article he's going he's, he's going to be he's in the article so yeah. 
when a guy who is perceived to be on the hot seat, and it doesn't matter whether he actually is or not, in this case, perception can be greater than reality when it comes to recruiting. When a guy who's listed on the hot seat can beat out a guy who yeah. who has who has is in his first year and has a new car smell, and SEC it is back. Yeah. Then that's extremely impressive. Like this is one of his best recruiting, right up there with Doug Nestor. So the reason I brought up Jean Baptiste is I remember thinking, I remember thinking Tech and BC were in on him. They 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 knew what was going on there. When the big boys piled in, I remember thinking, oh, it's over. And I kind of had that feeling with Martin because Florida State's offering, UNC is offering, programs were piling in, and I thought, eh, I don't know about this. And yet he committed. That's a big deal. With those factors that I just mentioned. Yes. And and actually, we can talk about that for the whole class. Like, now Tech is like 14th in the country in recruiting class ranking right now, something like that. It's not going to stay 14th because Tech's class is almost full, and other teams will get more commitments than Tech from now until signing day. So it's going to slide back and be anywhere between the 20 and 30 range, in in my opinion. Um, That's impressive for a guy who. Like I said, when you read articles, it says he's on the hot seat. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I think on the whole, I mean, every year you're going to, even in Tech's best classes, you're going to look back and say, ah, yeah, they, but they missed on this guy and they missed on that guy. And you're going to do that this year with, with Cam Miller and, uh, and, and Edmonds. I'll do it with Edmonds because yeah. I really wanted to, to sign him. But, you know, on the whole, it's, it's an extremely impressive job this year by them in recruiting. It's definitely better. Martin, uh, the 21st ranked prospect in the state of North Carolina by 247, but as you noted, could improve as he continues to develop. And again, I just wanted to make sure I read that correctly, and you said it right. Began his career as a receiver tight end. Yeah. Is now a defensive line. I mean, the guy put on like 50 pounds. And and if you look at him, it's like not bad weight either. He's just got bigger. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Let's step aside for a break. When we come back, Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. What does it mean for Virginia Tech, the future of college football, the ACC? We'll talk about it on the other side of the break. You're watching and listening to episode 185 of the Tech Online podcast presented by the Southeast Regional Training Center. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back in. Episode 185 <laughs> of the Tech Sideline podcast. Thanks for being with us. A little bit of technical difficulties. Limping to the finish line here. Uh, you know that the break was too long when we started discussing Tech Sideline getting a TikTok account, which was just discussed during the break. But welcome back. Evan Hughes alongside Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, David Cunningham, behind the scenes Nick Brown, and Malcolm Stewart. We transitioned from talking about Virginia Tech football to some huge news in college athletics that will certainly change the landscape of the NCAA, the SEC, college football, many more sports in college football. But beginning in 2025, Oklahoma and Texas will be joining the SEC, leaving the Big 12. And, Will, I'll start with you because there's so many different ways that you could look at this. You, you see a conference like the Big 12 that has a bunch of rich tradition lose two of its top members. The SEC is getting richer. The TV contract that they might be getting is going to be a lot more money for the SEC. I mean, how do you digest this? What's the thing that's at the top of your mind when you hear Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC? I have many, many, many thoughts in in no particular order. First of all, for those of us who lived during the 2003 ACC expansion melodrama, um, which dragged out over the course of literally months, um, that kind of expansion melodrama doesn't happen anymore. 
if you hear that it's coming, it's a done deal. You know, Ninja Swafford Swafford, after he bungled the 2003 expansion, became Ninja Swafford and picked teams up very quickly. You heard about it, boom, it happened. So from the time that we heard about this at the ACC kickoff till it was finalized was two weeks. Uh, but, but, but really the first biggest thought I have, it's weird how I remember 2003, I was afraid and obsessed and following it day by day. And I literally, Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, I just kind of, yeah, whatever. You know, because the, the forces that have shaped college football in the last, let's say, five to ten years and the NIL changes that are coming down the pipe and all that sort of stuff, this is just another step. In, in, in the evolution of wherever all this is going. And the other thing I freely admit is I can sort of guess where it's going, but I don't really know. There's a lot of eggheads in power that are, that are driving this, and I'm not going to guess what they're going to do. There's talk of super conferences. There's talk of a certain number of teams, quote-unquote, breaking away. You know, it's so just a lot of random thoughts that this just appears to be – this is not seismic to me. It's just continuing down the path, whatever the path is. Yeah. Um, I. It's not something that I worry about too much these days, like, like Will said. I think college football itself has been broken for a long time and could use a big old reset. Uh, and I, I don't know where it's going. Um, but I mean, I think even the NCA, even Mark Emmert, has admitted at this point that he doesn't know where it's going. He's like washed his. Well, hands but he's, he's he's called a what was it a quote constitutional convention for November to reshape the sport. I mean, no, so I mean, yeah, I mean, this is sometimes when to fix something you just have to burn it down, right? Well, what he's uh, going to be conducting in November is a post mortem, correct? Not, not anything that's going to set yeah, the yeah, course. Yeah, well, not that we know of, but. Uh, so I'm, I'm just, I, I don't care. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I don't care. What, what is, what is the SEC going to magically start recruiting better than they are now? Are they going to get, well, are they going to get so, even so, better players than I they think already the, have? I think the counter that though is, I mean, for, let's just take a Virginia Tech team trying to make the college football playoff. Doesn't this, would this hurt? <laughs> well, no, <laughs> we're not going okay. to playoffs, man. <laughs> you got to win the coastal. But you got to win the well, coastal. I'm, I'm giving it the. I'm giving it well, the. Listen, 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 uh, listen, right, right. listen. For Virginia Tech to make the playoffs, first they have to, uh, they have to win the coastal, and then right. they have to beat Clemson. Sure. The I'm, next week. I'm, I'm just giving it the. I'm give, okay, fine. Let's go with a uh, an expanded playoff. Let, let me just say that with o- here's where I think it hurts is that Oklahoma and Texas, the, the college football playoff, there's going to be more SEC teams that go, less from the ACC, less from the Pac-12, less from the Big Ten. I, I, I don't care. So, so, Look, so I mean, I'll so, be honest. I, I don't care anymore about the playoffs. I, I don't. I don't care about TV money. I care about competing with the coastal division teams that Virginia Tech competes with on a day to, on, a, on a weekly basis. That's just, all that matters right just, now. Just play so good football. Let's, just, let's, just, you know. let's just see where it goes. So, I guess my next question of how does this affect Virginia Tech? I think we have your. <laughs> it, your I, so, I don't so know. Here, here's. So everybody's like, "Oh, the SEC is really separating." That already happened. The separation oh, already, already happened. Right? Now, what it's, if there's some? Billy Parvinum writes in your thoughts about Clemson and if they should join the SEC. Let's just play a theoretical. Uh, well, I, it's, it's I don't think that'll ever. But let's just say that happens. I mean, uh, what? 
I mean, it, uh, it, would, it would take a lot because the, the ACC's grant of rights runs through 2036. See, Swafford's a genius. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all we all talk crap about him, but what he did is tie Clemson he, and Florida. Unless, unless ESPN wants to step up and pay their exit fees or for them. unless the ACC adds a Notre Dame or right. a West Virginia. <sighs> right. Or yeah. some, yeah. So, I mean, I think, Evan, the biggest thing, like, you know, Chris is joking that it doesn't really matter. I would say the biggest thing that comes to my mind is money because – with Texas and Oklahoma, there was a really good article in USA Today um, by Steve Berkowitz about how the SEC is probably going to be able to generate over $1 billion in revenue, which is like... As much as all, the NCAA. All, as much as the NCAA, on par with the NCAA, which, you know, and especially with the with the potential expanded playoff, I mean, obviously, Texas and Oklahoma might not go into effect until 2025. They might get it, you know, if lawyers can do their thing, they might get it in earlier, but I think it's, you know... It's obviously not a huge deal for the ACC right now because right. everybody's tied to the conference, but it does make the landscape of everybody else a little bit more interesting because you've got the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and you've got a conference of eight teams that are trying to figure out what to do. But as far as Virginia Tech goes, I think it's kind of just, you know, you know you're in a pretty good spot because the ACC, I, I think, I, you guys heard Jim Phillips speak. I honestly felt fairly confident in everything that, I heard from him last I, week. I, I could make the argument that it's beneficial to Virginia Tech. Look, Virginia Tech doesn't recruit against Auburn and Alabama and Texas and the schools that that are going to get richer off this deal. Clemson does, though. So if anything, this is going to hurt Clemson recruiting. Interesting theory. Which, which, uh, which could soften their stranglehold on the ACC to a certain extent. I don't think it's going to have much of an effect no, on Virginia I, Tech I, right, I, right now. So here's another way to think of it. I, I, there are people I hang out with every day, and there are football programs that Virginia Tech hangs out with every day. Right. And then there are celebrities we watch on TV, <laughs> and that's kind I, of the SEC I, at this no, point. My, They're just celebrities we watch on TV. I, and I, I say this as a fan, you know, not as somebody who's – life and income is tied to a Virginia Tech site. I say this as a Virginia Tech fan. I want Virginia Tech com- to compete to, to compete at whatever level of football where they have the most chance to be successful. Now, if there's some kind of breakaway 25, 26, 24 teams, 32. whatever, yeah, that break away and, and it's like the 1978 Division One split and it just splits again. And an NFL-style 32 teams yeah. schedule. And Virginia Tech has to play Clemson and Ohio State and Penn State and Georgia and Auburn and Alabama and Florida and LSU. I don't want to go four and eight every year from now until the end of eternity. Yeah. But, but I mean, yes, you it would make more money. Yeah. Mississippi State makes more money. Yeah. What good does that do their football program? Well, yeah, that, that, that's basically what they're doing right now. Yeah, they're already playing that schedule. That was one of the interesting things. I was listening to the Athletics podcast. I've listened to a couple episodes last uh, over the past week, but they were talking about they were asking a couple questions like, you know, does do, do the Mississippi States, do the the Ole Misses, the Kentuckys, do they have like any say in this? <laughs> like, I mean, obviously they, you know, they they can ve- they could have vetoed it and they didn't. But like, well, they're can, bringing in money still, but that does not mean like their football program is not going to not, really get any better. better and but, it's, especially, it's going to make recruiting for like for a lot of teams hard. Now, I think like for Arkansas, it might make recruiting easier because now they've you know they're playing Texas and Oklahoma every single year. But like, I, I think 
it, it doesn't really necessarily make it any easier. And like, unless there's a big conference merger where, you know, you've got a 20 to 30 team conference and Virginia tech is trying to get in so they don't get left out. Like right, unless right. something like that happens, I don't no. think it's anything to really worry what about. What it would, what from it would do, standpoint. it would be a potential for Virginia tech to improve their other sports at yeah. the expense of a worse football record every year. Yeah. Like Mississippi state. Okay. Yeah. They stink at football and they, they probably just, always will, they just but, but, but they're able to pour all that sec TV money right into that baseball program and win their first school national championship. Now, does that make their fan base happier or would their fan base be happier winning football games and not being so good at everything else? I think I, the tech fan base would be happier winning football games. The tech but, fan base, as we know it at this point in time, would rather win football games. Um, the, you know, the, t- the tech fan base has been its, at its happiest point when we were when tech was a top 10 program and the other sports weren't even fully funded, right. for goodness sake. Yeah. And we were around 100th in, 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 in the, the Director's, Directors Cup, Cup. That's which is where we were in 1999. Right. Um, so I, I just... Uh, I think we're losing Evan, I think by we're the losing way. Evan. <laughs> no, Evan's, Evan's about to fall Evan's, off. Evan's reading no, the YouTube that, comments. I was reading the YouTube comments. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say this. I was, uh, I'm enjo- it was, actually really it, was it was the morning we were leaving Charlotte, and I'm getting on the elevator to go down to the lobby. And... I walk, and I walk in the elevator and I don't really look up. I'm probably reading my phone or something. But I can tell there's one other person there. But then I'm getting on the elevator and I hear somebody say, good morning. So I look up and it's Dabo yeah, Swinney. Yeah. And it's just me and him on the elevator. And it's rare you're on the elevator to coach with one of these media events. Did you talk to him? With, you? Without his Pete Morris following him around. You know? So I could not think of anything to say except, good morning. How are you? You know? Well, he was in shorts, and Chris looked at him and said, "So we're getting to have a lecture." <laughs> oh no! But you know, if, if I, I probably would have asked him about the conference. So, and how, stuff. so how, how tall is he? Uh, I don't know. I didn't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, a, I, I will say that the one thing I, I will, I, I know that this might not affect Virginia Tech, but I do think that the college sports that we know, I don't think it's good for necessarily. No, like, I, I agree. I, I, it, you've got two known powerhouses joining the powerhouse conference and i think for co- if you're a co- take virginia tech hat off for a second and look okay. at it from a okay. college football <laughs> a competitive balance standpoint yeah. yes which it already it's I, already i, dead, I understand Evan. i understand that you argument. can't kill something that's already dead <laughs> but as as t where's the comment as t man four five the gap is getting wider and wider yeah so at, I, what, I don't, at what point it doesn't yeah. matter if it gets any wider it's already so wide that and i will say like i mean I think Chris and Will kind of hit on this earlier. It's kind of, I think it'll get to where it's all supposed to go eventually, which is probably like a super conference. Like that's probably the direction that the direction it's heading. That's probably where it'll end up. But I will say like, yeah, I, I do think it's kind of, I mean, Chris said it's already, you know, you can't kill something that's already been killed. I do think it's like not great for the sport, Evan, just because, because yeah, it's what you I, mentioned, because there's, there's only so many, you know, it, it, it creates this even wider separation and even wider division because it's the SEC and everybody else. And there's, yeah, there's a Ohio States and the USC's and, you know, some teams in the Pac-12, some teams in the Big Ten, some teams in the ACC that can compete. But besides that... I mean, I still find it somewhat paradoxical that Americans, in all our professional sports, we value parity. We demand it. You know, we demand salary caps in the NFL and the NBA. And we demand that... You know, there there are certain rules in the sport of baseball to make sure the Yankees don't win the World Series every single year just because they happen to have the most, the money, most money, right? Yeah. And yet we don't apply the same standards to college football yeah. as a society. We we're we're content 
to let college football be European soccer with with you know PSGs and Manchester, Manchester cities, cities and people yeah. like that just running rampant and spending the most money. And, yeah, and it's it's all, it's all about spending. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I I don't know if I'll ever be able to to. Well, no, to one's, no, that in no my one's brain. in charge is the problem. Of course. Well, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, really there, there's no governing body of football. Well, the, well te- ESPN. technically there is. Yeah, that's ESPN's true. Well, you, you saw the old ESPN president who was on the Dan LaTard show yeah, la- last week. The last question they asked him is, are you ultimately responsible for all, responsible for all this? And he, and he just said, said, I he said, said I'll plead the fifth. He was very open in his other answers, but that one he said. Well, but by, by pleading the fifth, he basically, when you plead the fifth, you know what the answer I is. I refuse to answer on the grounds I may incriminate myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I don't, I, as, a, as a fan, yes, I, I don't see the point of pretending, of sitting around and pretending that we're actually competing against Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and Clemson with as much money. Is those programs have and and I, I don't see the point in pretending that we're we have an opportunity to be competitive against them. If they want to, if twenty teams want to break away and there's no spending cap, fine, let them go. It's it's like they all get they all sign the top recruits anyway. Like I don't think it would hurt Virginia Tech's value. Now those schools that are left behind, by all means, if Tech and North Carolina and Virginia and and most of the ACC and, and and you know what's left of the of the other Power Five conferences. If if we're all in a second division of football, by all means, at that point, let's use the opportunity to set spending limits, roster staff limits. Uh, you can only spend X number of facilities every ten years. Let, let, let's take the opportunity to make some reform, to change some things yeah. f- for the better, to cr- cr- create a good environment of parity. But if those 20 or 24 schools or whatever want to break away and spend $200 million every year, there's no point in trying to compete about against that because we can't. Yeah. Right. Well, can we make Chris the uh, commissioner of college football? The czar of college czar. football. Yeah. So, so let me ask you a question. As we're talking about all this stuff, um, you talk about playing at a lower level of football. JMU won a uh, – FCS. I always have to pause and not say one double A. JMU won at least one FCS championship, right? Yep, two. I think. Do you think at any moment they didn't enjoy it because they weren't an FBS school? No, they enjoyed winning a championship at their level. You know, uh, Appalachian State jumped after they won the one double FCS <laughs> championship. Yeah. They were a, they were the dominant program yeah. in FCS there for a while, and they made the jump. And I, I don't. I don't I get, do they win the Sun Belt? Maybe. They've. I mean, they're they're probably the second best the, first or second best team in Sunbelt alongside the, the, Coastal Carolina the, I mean, it's yeah yeah no doubt and but they will never win a championship oh, yeah. ever again they won the national championship uh, in the FCS level but they're never going to yeah, win one right. at this level because they can't compete that right that, and that. and you can sit here and look at Tech and say is we'll have a chance to win the Coastal Division in certain years but if Clemson operates at max efficiency your chances of winning an ACC title are just close to non-existent so what's the point of competing at a level where you don't really have a chance to compete and we'll just leave that we'll just leave it at that i want to get to a couple of comments here because the the chat thanks to everybody for chiming in um a couple of thoughts about clemson what would happen if they joined the sec but i think david just brought up a good point that's just not possible doesn't seem feasible so um and the 
Let's see here. Any other? I mean, they'd probably be a good fit. Sam Shutt <laughs> going to mini NFL model. I'm a traditionalist. Hope I don't lose interest. It is the only sport that I uh, left that I love watching. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of really interesting uh, comments. There's a question from Ryan Woodward. Does anyone know the difference between revenue with the ACC network and the SEC network? If Comcast ever adds ACC network, don't know that, but that's an interesting comment. We, we, they, Jim Phillips actually talked about that at ACC Media Day about bringing on Comcast because I think it was Nizalek actually that asked. It was one of the Virginia. Virginia Tech writer, I think it was Nizalek, that asked Phillips about, you know, what what is the ACC going to do because so many people in the Commonwealth of Virginia don't have it because they have Comcast. Oh, yeah. So, and yeah, now Tech fans who have Comcast, unless they go to a bar, they can't watch the uh, – So what did, what did Phillips yeah, I say? Think, I think he said, he said that he felt confident that there was a deal in place, that, mm. that something was going to happen along those lines. Now, but, the but, big – sorry. But, but, no, wait. but I was just going to say, I think the, the SEC network is – Way like far beyond. I don't know yeah, the numbers. What is it, twenty I, or thirty million a year? Maybe yeah. difference in revenue per, per team? team. Yeah, something like something that. Like I think that. it's twenty. Okay. Yeah. And now I will say now you worry that with Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC, that takes up even more time slots. It takes so, up so 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 that would make a Comcast deal with the ACC network maybe less valuable from Comcast size. I, I don't. I don't know. The only they can answer that question. I'm just throwing it out. You there. know, out of I've done almost 150 podcasts, and this is a really great discussion that I will remember. This is really interesting. Great points brought up, and uh, certainly not the news we were expecting two weeks ago to see Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC. So uh, great discussion, and, and I want to thank everybody for uh, for chiming into the chat. We're about 90 minutes in. I, I know you guys have some work to get done, so we'll. Uh, kind of wrap things up here uh, for what's been a really good show. Um, I do want to mention that uh, Jake Lyman, when he gets back, will be on the podcast set and will be taking over, and he's going to be doing a great job. So Jake's a rising senior in sports media and analytics, and we've known Jake for a long time. He's done a lot of written work for us and has has even done a podcast with Tony Roby at one point in time. Poor guy has to do the tech talk live notes every week in the past. Not anymore. He deserves this opportunity to do podcast just for that. (laughs) So Evan has held down the starting spot for three years now, and there just hasn't been any breathing room for anybody else. Jake's Jake's been redshirting. (laughs) Jake's been redshirting. Jake is Jake. Jake's ready for this moment. And like podcast hosts, it's not a job where you're going to injure yourself. So, you know, Evan's <laughs> been here every time around. So, anyway, I, I uh, officially offered Jake the uh, the spot for this coming academic year. And and I said, now you're going to be the guy that follows the guy. And he's like, I'm ready for it. He's going to do, <laughs> he's he's do a great, great job. I'm really excited and happy for him. Yeah. He's up in St. Cloud right now as the voice of the Rocks. Um they they're like forty three and twelve and they're gonna win a championship. Uh, so of course, my first year after three years, Jake's gonna come back with a big piece of hardware. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's be but, clear, Jake's not getting back to like right before classes yes, start. Like maybe the day before classes. So start, we have to so. fix our production problems in the next couple of weeks, and we got to <laughs> wait for our next host to get here. Well, I did want to spend a couple of minutes and just kind of take a trip down memory lane because as I think back to the last three years, I just think about the incredible growth that we've seen from this podcast that started at the offices in Radford then right. made the move over to Blacksburg. You think about this room that we're sitting in right now, and it's hard to believe that Chris's desk was in here, Will's desk was in here, a little table back here that we sat at with a little recorder. I don't remember what the room looked like. To be honest. No, seriously. I, and, and then 
you know, it, it's just amazing. And then we we add the the Facebook element, like my phone on a little tripod and asking questions and then this podcast set being built the guests that we've had we've worked it all the way up to the point with coach fuente coming on the podcast will it's it's a testament to you and the work that you've done to make this happen the podcast set it's a testament to the listeners and the um the what the viewers on tech sideline it's just it, it, i don't know it's really awesome to see where this is now compared to what where it was three years ago well, I appreciate that, but I don't have a very big role in it. So the, the podcast was started because Ricky LeBlue was working for us at the time. And Ricky kept telling me and Chris, you need to have a podcast. You need to do a podcast. I don't listen to podcasts. Chris doesn't either. So uh, I openly tell people all the time I'm a writing snob. That's what I love. I love to write, and that's how I got my start. So uh, I grumbled and grumbled, and, and finally I, I said to him, all right, I'll tell you what. Um, I don't want anything new to do. So if you can set it up, you can run it, you can handle everything to where all Chris and I have to do is get up, walk across the room, talk, and then go back to our desks. If you can do that, then yeah, let's do a podcast. So Ricky said, okay, what's my budget? You know, so I gave him uh, some money to, allocated some money to buy a recorder and some mics. So he took care of all that stuff and got it started. And then when we came over here to the Corporate Research Center, yes, we continued to do it in that style. Um, and then whose idea was it to put the iPhone at the end of the table? <laughs> that was Evan. That was a high production. <laughs> oh, high quality production yeah. right there, man. So um, we started streaming it out live over Facebook because that was easy. Mm-hmm. We didn't know how to do YouTube or anything like that. So we, so we did Facebook and the sound was horrible. <laughs> it was just that one camera at the end of the table. That that one. Uh, I can't phone. believe people kept watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess uh, it just shows that there's just no other competing Virginia Tech video podcast. Well, so that 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 didn't really lead to a whole lot. That was the spring of 2019, right? That was the well. We start no January of 19. I think is when we started doing the video. But my first podcast was August of 18. Right. So so we were doing audio. Then we started doing that cheesy video in, in very early 2019. And then in the summer of 2019, uh, um, John Donna, who heads our, our programming and consulting firm, Yobo.dev, John and I, I've told this story before, John and I went down to Tex Ags in the summer of 2019 to see how they do their um, uh, Tex Ags radio. They have a, and, and, so they have a more kind of a formal desk setup. It is more like a radio setup, but they also shoot video of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had multiple cameras, so I was interested in that. And then I looked at some other podcasts that had a video component. I specifically looked at Rooster Teeth. They're on YouTube. Look them up. Um, and so John and I went to Texags, got our minds blown, and came back. That was June of 2019. And he rolled in here in July, and he and one of his coworkers built this set in a week. Mm. Um, and then, like I said, I put Malcolm to work on setting up the cameras and the audio and everything. So that's that's kind of how it came together. So it's um, it's Ricky getting it started. It's you introducing the concept of video. It's going down to TechSag and seeing that stuff. It's John building the set. It's Malcolm configuring the whole production. Um, but that you know frank beamer used to say this all the time he's like everybody says i'm a great coach i got great assistant coaches so that's the way i look at this stuff um that's it's it's uh it's been the effort of a lot more people than than just the three guys sitting here 
Chris, I was trying to think about memorable moments that we've had the last three years. Uh, I, for some reason, I can't really think of any individual moments, but God, red shirting will forever be my favorite. I like the popcorn episode. Because that was the Mike Young con- was that the Mike Young Coach of the Year episode? We sat and ate, we popcorn. ate popcorn on the show. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, we sat down. That's yeah. right. So I'll always remember the foo stuff that I told you out in the parking lot. But the other thing I remember is you do the podcast and you're into what you're doing and you're thinking about everything. And then I walked him and Pete out to the parking lot and said, you know, said goodbye and all that stuff and came back in. And there there's Evan standing there with his eyes are big as saucers. He's holding his hand up for the high five. And I'm like. Oh, okay. So I high five Evan, and Evan goes, "That was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, we it, it, it could not have gone any better." I, I mean, I actually, I found that I enjoy the off season podcasts, yeah, a lot more than the in season. Most painful because, losses but, well, in tech history. <laughs> well, the in season great topic idea. The, the in season podcast, it's like everything's always on the go. You know exactly what you're talking about. There, there, there's no room for big in depth conversations like the one we had today yeah or yeah. And things like which is which is i'm better at that like that kind of degenerated to more of a shouting match though as we got fired up about, about <laughs> what was happening in college sports but that was fun no it was fun. it was a really great discussion um i think about there was an episode we did before thanksgiving we had to do it at like noon or twelve thirty. this was in 19 and i think i had a volleyball match to call later that day and so you just ordered pizza we literally had domino's pizza Right here on the set as we did the podcast. Was that was the, it was shoot, with video. Shooting video. It was on this set. I've forgotten about and that. And we, uh, I remember that was a that was a great one. Um, there have been some awesome moments. I mean, I remember the the six overtime game, preparing for that and getting to break that down. Yeah. And I didn't really have much of a voice because of how much I was screaming during the game. I think about the we got to talk a lot about some of the best moments in tech basketball over the last three years and Virginia Tech men's basketball history, the Sweet 16, a coaching did, did, change. Did you do the podcast with Makai Lewis? I did. Yeah. Yep. It was over at that table over there, and that was yeah. a great – that was the Monday after he won the national championship on a Saturday. That was a memorable one. You, you know, um, that, and we, we had already started doing video by then, just the iPhone, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember uh, uh, as we were coming in, you know, Makai is very, very uh, quiet and subdued and i was like well can you at least take off your hat so people can see you because he, he pulls the hat way in low <laughs> and i thought what you might see is like a hat and and his chin if you were watching the video and now he couldn't go without the hat man he had to have the hat on so we worked around it for the camera was so small back then that probably nobody could see him anyway yeah. right yeah, and, so it didn't matter that he had a hat and, on or not and there have been some tough podcasts we've had to do too i mean the 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 monday after the duke game <laughs> Liberty game this year, um, yeah. you know there have been some tough ones, but we've we've done it all, and there's nobody I would have rather have broken it down with you guys. So those are, but the red shirting always be red shirting. Chris's background um, on Twitter. So the, the thing, the moment. thing about having guests on was once we once we built the set in the in the summer of 2019 and started using it that fall, it was all about having guests. We had. These two chairs, and we had the love seat in the middle, so we could have the three of us we, and another person. Yeah, we had Andy Bitter on here one time, and I sat next to him the whole time. Like and I, after the after the podcast, I'm just like, it's so awkward to s- be working. sitting next to someone and then turn your head and ask yeah. them a question. That's not going to work. So we had we had. Did we have Teal on first or Bitter? 
I think uh, we had bitter on first. For, I, I wasn't a part of the teal. Bitter. That was just you. So was I think bitter it was first. Bitter. Yeah. So we had bitter. We had teal, and um, I was I was communicating with Whit Babcock at the time, or Pete. No, I was I was communicating with Pete Morris, and I was like, I think I said, I was like, I, I, we've done these two. Here's what it looks like. We want to start having coaches on, and and Pete said. Uh, Whit Babcock has told me he doesn't want anybody to be on your podcast until he's on it. And I thought, man, we're going to get the athletic director and then Kobe. Yeah, and that was the end of yeah. that. And later on, we did get Whit. I did a podcast with him where it was over Zoom and it was audio only. I think. Yeah, we've had Whit Babcock. We've had Justin Fuente. I think one of my other favorite ones, I don't think you were part of this one, when Jared Frere came on, yeah. talked about his experience in the Olympics and how he was what selling insurance before he got into coaching. I mean, that was a really intriguing podcast. But um, I, I don't. I think the six overtime one will definitely be one of my favorites. Like reminiscing about that and you know remembering how you could hear a pin drop after the fourth overtime in lane because nobody, nobody knew what knew was about was to happen. happen. And so, um, and real quick, David, if we could have Malcolm, Malcolm, can you come around for a second and have him on for a second too? Because this is. We're going out together, and I want to get Malcolm's thoughts because this guy's had to listen to us hours and hours and hours of listening with little to no talking. Switching cameras. Yeah. So, Malcolm, do you have any favorite podcast memories? I feel like because I'm production, most of my memories are when bad things happen. (laughs) (laughs) Like today? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'll never forget that. Like, oh, my last podcast, we couldn't get cameras. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But uh, the the Duke loss from an analytics perspective, standpoint was cool because that was the most viewed we viewers that's we right ever had far and away people are gluttons for punishment you're talking right. about live viewers yeah, yeah. concurrent i think we had like 250 people wow wow and it's usually 60 to 90 or something like that yeah, yeah. is that right yeah it, well of course you remember malcolm's floating head right oh yeah oh my gosh how can <laughs> we forget about that back when we had the tv all right and so that segues into gift time all which right, you did right? not have to do yeah so um uh and, and we'll go out to lunch after this too, if you if you guys can do lunch. But <clears throat> so I have here a couple of framed pictures, and it's too bad we don't have video. But uh, the first one, Evan, is of me, you, and Chris on the uh, podcast set, uh, a very late version of the podcast set. This is a really recent. I know show. it's within the last month because I'm I'm wearing my, my yeah uh, the gobbler your, shirt. Your, your yeah. gobbler oh, that's shirt. awesome! Yeah, so this is a framed five by seven. So uh, are you going to have an office over at Tech? I will. Cool. Let's go so in you got to put this in your office, man, and you can clearly see the Tech Sideline <laughs> logo there in the picture. So, pass oh that my around. gosh, well that's and Malcolm for you, we have a very similar picture, but it is a picture Thanks. of Malcolm's floating with the head. floating yeah. head. Let's go. <laughs> so it's the with po- the TV. Yeah, it's the podcast because Ma- it was actually kind of hard to find a, a, a Malcolm's floating head screen capture. Um, I bet it was. And I kept having to go pretty far back. And, uh, yes, it's the set's a little bit more old school. It's when we used to have that giant TV hanging yeah. on the wall that fell off the wall, fortunately, broke. when I was not sitting here. So, listen, kids, when you buy an 1800 to $2,000 TV at Best Buy and they want to sell you the protection plan, get, get it. it. <laughs> this was a $2,000 TV, and I did not get the protection plan, and the TV <laughs> just broke, and it was irreparable. So that's $2,000 worth of TV down the drain. So anyway, Malcolm, this is for you to <clears throat> take and put on your desk or put in your apartments. It's a picture of us on the podcast set with Malcolm's the floating, floating head. I'll <laughs> a spot for it. So pass that around. Well, that's very kind of you. And Chris, thank you guys. Um, well, 
I just want to say and th- this for me getting to host this podcast has been unbelievable. And I remember exactly where I was when Bill reached out to me and said that Tech Sideline was looking for a podcast host. It was the last week of my freshman year. And I remember it was finals week. And a group of us had walked from Miles Hall all the way to McDonald's. I'll never forget. I was at that sidewalk that you cross by Sharkies and Moe's that takes like 25 minutes before it gives you the walk sign. Yes. And I got <laughs> I got the text from Bill. Like, I remember it vividly. And he's like, Tech Sideline's looking for a podcast host. And I said, I was a little aggressive. And I said, please do whatever you can do. I really <laughs> want this. Wow. Because I had grown up a Hokie fan. I had grown up knowing about you guys and tech sideline. I remember thinking it was the coolest day in the world when I got a Twitter follow back from both of you. And Bill said, I'll see what I can do. And then I go out to Minnesota my first year and we talked. And I remembered we had like a little conference call. I remember exactly where I was standing at Mike Johnson's house and going over everything. And, um, and I actually went back and listened to the first five minutes of my first episode yesterday with David. Oh gosh. And uh, that was episode. I forget what number it was, but 40, and here we are, 185. And so I just hope you guys know that this was something I really wanted to do. You guys have been um, such a huge part of my journey, both personally and professionally. You've given me the opportunities to go out there and make mistakes and learn from them, and you know, kind of give me the free reign, you know, to come up with topic ideas and you know, just put the ball in my court. And I really appreciate you guys letting me do that at such a young age. I feel lucky to have gotten to know all of you both professionally, but personally, I care a lot about you guys. You guys are at my graduation party. You know, you guys have gotten to meet my family. You guys are family moving forward. This is not the end of a relationship, but um, I just really want to thank you guys um, because tech sideline is such a special place. You guys are special people. I mean, Virginia tech's lucky to have a place like tech sideline with people who care like both of you do. And so it has been so awesome. special to get to do this with you guys. I'm going to miss it a lot. Yeah. I'm going to continue to listen. Um, trust me. And I might be in that comment section and I hope that Jake reads my question when I ask him, but I hope I can come on as maybe a guest down the road. And um, I just want to say thank you guys for everything that you've done for me. It's been, well, a, ha- it's been a heck of a ride for three years. You've it really made us a lot been. better. Yeah. We, we appreciate everything you've done to help build this. Cause it really started to take off when we, when we added the serious video component to it, not the iPhone at the end of the table. <laughs> no, <laughs> let's see. When we, when we put the new shelves up, we'll have to put some like Evan Hughes memorabilia. <laughs> there, so. You know, I've got extra printouts of the pictures yeah, they're, of, they're, of they're, Evan and Malcolm's floating head. Well, I love that. I'm going to value <laughs> that picture. And I tell you what, I, I really do want to just take a moment to, to thank tech sideline community for supporting this podcast, for asking questions. You guys have helped us grow in so many ways. This would this would all wouldn't be possible. I mean, Will wouldn't go out and build a set and buy these cameras and turn a full office into this studio if you all did not consume the podcast. And it means a lot to us that you guys watch and listen and interact and subscribe and like and comment, which you can do on this video right now, by the way. It's not <laughs> too late. But thank you all. Thank you for all the kind things on the board that have been said about the podcast and um, I know the future is so bright. I mean, with with Jake, you've got Nick, you've got others. The, the, and we'll get a lot of people involved. We we need more producers. Um, and, I, and I want to thank you guys, too, for your commitment to sports media analytics in the School of Communication. I mean, how special is that that you guys endow a scholarship, help students like myself? Like, I'm, I'm not where I am right now if it weren't for you guys in TSL. So yeah. thank you for what you do for the School of Communication, making us as students feel special and have a place. And, Malcolm, it's been fun, man. 
Thanks for always texting me during the podcast that we've got questions or, you know, being such a great communicator. It's been great getting to know you, and uh, I can't wait for you to have your own law office one day. One day. So uh, it's been a fun ride. It's been a ride. Yeah, one day Malcolm's going to sponsor the Tech Sideline podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, that's all That's all I got. Just a huge thank you to, to you guys. And um, I'll be back. I'm not going to be a stranger, though. This is not This is not goodbye. Sounds good, brother. We'll be listening to you. Okay. Yep. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, that'll wrap things up. Episode 185 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Episode 200, not too far away. Um, but I want to thank everybody for watching and listening. Thanks to everybody uh, for chiming into the comments. I want to thank Malcolm uh, for his extra hard work getting the podcast up and running today. <laughs> today, <laughs> uh, Be sure to follow. Oh, hold on. I can't end my last podcast without asking my favorite question. What's coming up on TechSideline.com this week, Chris? A whole lot of stuff because it's big media week. Media day is Wednesday. Um, we've got practice access. Open practices Thursday and yeah, Friday. Uh, I'm working on my heights weights updated article uh yeah starting position previews next week so it's the grind season has started yeah awesome for players and media i just can't wait for david cunningham to take on all that role so chris can just you know go home at five o'clock on fridays and well i mean i I just dedicate time to my own articles it's oh there you go i I had a glorious moment the other day all three of us were in the office and chris and david turned towards each other and and they pulled out the planner and they started planning content and i'm standing there looking at him will hears church bells in the back looks chris looks at me and goes you don't need to be in on this yeah yeah. i was like thank you so, so in the past we did position previews we've done it's been one preview you know i talk about it each position and this year it's going to be david's going to be taking the approach of writing traditional previews you know with quotes from players and coaches and things like that whereas i'm going to be doing a more analytical column opinion style because basically basically you'll get two different style preview articles for each position this year instead of one yes up to the up up till game week yeah all right so that's what's coming up there you have it. You can follow Tech Sideline on Twitter at Tech Sideline. Great time to become part of the Tech Sideline family. Go to TechSideline.com and subscribe today. All right. That'll wrap things up. That'll wrap things up. Episode 185 of the Tech Sideline podcast for our lead analyst and columnist, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, our managing editor, David Cunningham, the podcast producer in training, Nick Brown, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Husing. So long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to not only episode 185 of the Tech Sideline podcast, all the podcasts we have done. Hope you can join us next time right here with Jake Lyman, whoever is hosting that for more great hokey content. This has been brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center. Again, thanks so much for watching and listening, and be sure to have a great week, Hokies.